But I'd just like to ask you two things this morning before I start that you could do for me. One is that um, you keep an open mind and heart to this subject. I'm aware that quite a lot of you will think fostering an adoption, that's not for me. Um, but please keep an open, open heart. Um, we're going to be talking about a few things around this area. Um, so please keep open to it. The second is, can you smile at me? Because it makes it easier for me. And it makes you feel better too. Um, I've, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Nicola Marshall. I've been part of this church for 26 years. I worked out as I was uh, preparing. I know, raised eyebrow there. I know, I don't look that old, do I? Um, I was 17 when I came to this church with my family. And what I, one of the things I really love about this church is that we don't shy away from looking at real important um, everyday issues that are happening outside in the world. And that's really important, isn't it? But not just that they're happening outside there, but I'm very conscious as well when we talk about a subject like this that they are happening for a lot of people within this room. So you may um, things may come up during this uh, these this half an hour or so that we've got together that may be difficult for you. You may have come from a difficult uh, home life yourself and we're aware of that and we want to be sensitive to that. So if, you, if there are things that come up that you want to talk through with people, please come uh, to, you know, somebody will be around uh, down the front at the end if you want to, to talk through things with people. Um, my kind of journey on adoption, uh, my husband and I, we, five years ago we adopted three children um, and three siblings, three siblings, they came all together, um, and it's changed my life, really. Um, I would say I kind of live and breathe this whole world of adoption now, um, and um, I'm, I'm not going to talk a lot this morning about my experience, and certainly about my children, and the main reason is because this is my home church, and my children are part of this church, and I'm conscious that, you know, their story is their story. I've told them exactly what I am going to say about them, so they know, um, but um, you know, it's important that, that that is kind of kept as their um, story. But if you want to talk to me personally or to some other adopters, I have some friends here today from other churches who've come to support me and will be in the room out there at the end. If you want to talk specifically about adoption and you have some questions, then please come and see us. Um, I'm aware also that, you know, when a child comes into anybody's family, it changes things completely, doesn't it? Those of you that have your own children, um, you, the tiny little baby that came into your home that, um, you know, took away the silence and created lots of noise. Um, it was the same for us, of course. It was a different kind of noise. Instead of the crying, there was mom, 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 because they could talk. And you're looking around thinking, who? Who are they talking to? Is my mom behind me? It's very surreal, that whole experience of being a mom overnight. Uh, and those who've had, of you who've had your own children can identify with that, that feeling of just being, being different. Um, but what I'm going to talk about today, really, is three areas. I'm going to talk about um, God as our adoptive father. I'm going to talk about God's heart for vulnerable children, and then also what should or could our response be um, to the need out there. Um, so God is our adoptive parent. For those of us in this room who, who are Christians who've made that decision to follow Christ, a number of things would have happened at that point, and one of them is that you then become a child of God. You become adopted into God's family. Uh, in Romans 8, verse 14 to 17, um, it says... For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So when you made that decision to follow Christ, you became part of God's family. Uh, and a number of things happened. And I, as I've been through this kind of natural adoption journey, I've, I've been struck by the comparisons between natural adoption and spiritual adoption. And one of those is when you go to court uh, in, in kind of natural adoption and you, uh, you legally adopt children, a number of things happen. One is that the children get a new birth certificate. Um, they get a new name. So they get a new surname. Uh, they also maybe get a new middle name or a first name, depending on the age of the children. When we went through this process with ours, um, we thought, well, they're a bit older. They were five, six, and eight, I think, when we went to court. So we said, let's sit down as a family and have a little chat about what you might like your middle name to be. Um, Sarah, our eldest, quite sensible, she said, um, Louise, I think that's quite a nice name. You know, Sarah Louise Marshall, lovely. The boys, however... <laughs> um, they both picked the same name, and we kind of pondered about the name that they picked and thought, well, you know, is that going to be something that they're going to, you know, be embarrassed about at their wedding when uh, the preacher says, you know, do you Dylan Pibble, uh, Pebbles Marshall or uh, Thomas Pebbles Marshall, which was our cat's name at the time. We thought maybe they might regret that in the future, so we did help them a little bit with their choice of names. Um, the other thing that happens when you go to court is the parental rights that used to sit with the birth parents now move and transfer to the new family. So there are no parental rights that sit with the birth um, family. So to all intents and purposes, you are now part of that new family. And for us as Christians, the same thing happened for us. When you became a Christian, you became part of a new family. You had a new birth certificate, um, you, which says that you are a child of God. And you have the birthrights of a son or a daughter of Christ, of God. And you are part now of this extended, huge sibling group. It will be very hard to place, actually, in adoption. Um, this huge group, uh, you know, of siblings that, that fight sometimes, that love each other, that support each other, that comfort each other, um, that fall out um, many times. You were also given a new name, which says that you are forgiven, you are accepted, you are loved, you are valued, and you are precious. Also, your past and everything that holds against you has gone. When the Bible says the old has gone and the new has come, that's what that means. The old, it has no hold on you. You are now part of uh, God's family. Of course, so just as with natural adoption, it doesn't mean that we live in that revelation many times. For adopted children, they struggle to, uh, you know, they have a strong bias and a strong pull towards their past and to their birth um, family. And it's the same for us in adoption. We have a strong pull towards our, our kind of nature, don't we? Our kind of, um, you know, not wanting to trust God, wanting to take control for our own lives, being very self-reliant. We have a natural bias and a pull towards that. Uh, and if we truly lived in the realisation that we are God's children, I wonder what a difference it would make to our lives. Would we worry about money when God will provide all of our needs? Would we worry about the future when God has good plans for us? Would we try to control every area of our lives when God is in full control and his intentions are good towards you? Would we walk away from him or ignore him when he loves and accepts us unconditionally?
And I, I realize that it's hard for us sometimes to see God as our heavenly father because of maybe the uh, experiences we've had in, in our natural lives with our fathers. But you know, God is different. God is a perfect father. And it's hard for us to understand this. Um, but I just want to read a psalm for you, Psalm 103. Uh, and I'm going to read most of this psalm up to verse 18. And this just talks about, you know, who God is and how he is towards us as his children. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, he asked to, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with you, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and who remember his precepts to do them. That's amazing, isn't it? Children's children. Um, and there are, there are a, a couple of phrases that we use within the adoption and fostering world uh, that talks about some of the impacts on adults of um, living and working with children who've experienced trauma. One of them is secondary trauma, which is when you, you um, as it sounds, you feel the impact of, of the trauma that they've experienced. The other is something called blocked care, which is a relatively new, um, I don't know if you call it a condition, but a new thing that, that has been researched around brain development. Uh, and whenever I hear more about the way that we are made, our bodies, I just marvel at how God has made us, how amazing it is. Uh, and this part of our brain is about relationships, that we are wired to be in relationship with other people. Um, and what happens is when, with a parent and a child, when you are um, showing love to your child and they show love back, um, that that they show back fires off parts of your brain that make you feel good. It's like a reward system in your brain. Uh, now, if you're living with a child who's experienced trauma, finds it very hard to, to, one, receive that love, but then also to give that love back and to show that love back, uh, you can get something called block care, which is where um, you have that feeling of not being able to get the care through or, or for it to get back. And I thought about this recently in terms of God, you know, my relationship with God and our relationship with God. Does God get secondary trauma? Does he get blocked care? You know, does he kind of think, you know, I've, I've lavished my love on them so many times and they just can't give it back. You know, that's, he doesn't, does he? 
Whatever we do and however many times we walk away from God, he's always there uh, lovingly with, with open arms ready to receive us. Okay, so what is God's heart for the vulnerable children then? Um, the Bible talks many times about orphans. Actually, over 200 times the word orphan is mentioned in the Bible. And the Hebrew word for orphan actually means fatherless. Um, so a child may have had a mother, but if they were without a father in those times, um, they would have been unprotected and vulnerable. And it's the same for our children in the care system. They are unprotected and vulnerable children. And the Bible talks about um, you know, taking care of orphans and widows and looking after the people around us. Uh, there's a verse in, in the Psalm 68 which says, God sets the lonely in families. I love that. That God brings people into, whether it's a physical family, which we're talking about today, or a family like this, you know, that God places people in a family so that they can receive love. Um, but it, it's difficult to see what God's heart might be for um, the things around us if we don't actually see them, if we don't actually know what is happening out in the world. So I just want to um, share a few things with you, some of the statistics, some of the things that uh, are happening to um, children care. So some slides that are going to come up. These are the statistics at the moment. There's 91,000 children within our care system. Um, this has really increased. I looked at this a few years ago and it was 69,000, so it's really um, increasing. A lot of that is to do with what happened with Baby P, if you remember, that lots more children are being taken out of their homes quicker. Um, not all of those children, of course, will be um, suitable to be adopted for lots of different reasons. The 6,000 at the moment that have an adoption order, which means they are waiting to be adopted. Within the black country where we live, there's 250 plus children waiting to be adopted. Uh, of those adopted each year, 2% are under one year old. Um, so that it's not as it used to be many years ago when there were lots of relinquished babies. Uh, it, now it tends to be babies taken into care through neglect and abuse many times. 74% uh, of the children um, waiting to be adopted or who have been adopted are between the age of one to five. 24% are over five years old. 51% of children waiting are in sibling groups. That's the hardest um, group to, to place. So if you have a child who's uh, getting over five and they're in a sibling group, they are very difficult to place. Uh, every year a child waits, they become 20% less likely to be adopted. Um, and the one that actually I didn't put on a slide, but I think is actually um, the, the most difficult one, is every 22 minutes a child goes into care. So the time that we've been uh, in this service this morning, four children would have gone into care. They're quite sobering statistics, uh, and it shows that there is an incredible need out there. And also I just want to mention some of the outcomes for children in care, whether they're still in care or have gone through the care system. And again, these are, these are quite sobering statistics. Uh, children care are 10 times more likely to be excluded from school. They are 10 times more likely to attend a special school. They are four times less likely to go on to further education. They are 12 times more likely to leave school with no qualifications. They are four times more likely to be unemployed between the ages of 16 and 24. They are 60 times more likely to join the ranks of the young homeless. They are 50 times more likely to be sent to prison. They're 88 times more likely to suffer from mental health problems, and they are seven times more likely to misuse, um, to misuse alcohol or drugs. And they're terrible statistics and outcomes, aren't they? And when I read those, you know, my heart just breaks, and I think it doesn't have to be like that. 
You know, we don't have to say that that is what's going to happen to our children. Um, you know, we believe in the transformational power of God, don't we? And I can look around here and see lots of people and can testify myself that, you know, without God, I don't know where my life would have been. And I'm sure many of you can say that. You know, when I look at my children, I think, uh, you know, in the natural, yep, they may be going down a certain road. But with God, with Christ, they can go in a, in a totally new direction. You know, they can be a new creation. Um, so what should our response be um, to something like this? There are three responses that I want to talk about. Um, one is that, of course, you could consider opening your home and foster or adopt. Uh, I realize that, uh, you know, in an audience's size, there's not going to be many, but I know there will be some. Um, and I just want to mention to you a church in Southampton, because I think this is quite inspiring, who um, they heard of some government cuts that were happening in their area, and they got together with the local council and discussed what the cuts were going to be. Uh, and the council said one of the areas is we need 40 new foster carers uh, for the need. And they really got hold of that and thought, wow, that's, you know, we could do something about that. So they pledged with the council that they would pray and that they would proactively campaign to find more foster carers. Uh, they had 40 huge keys um, made. They put them in a plaque with the scripture, God places the lonely in families, written on it. They gave it to the council as their pledge. Uh, and this was in March this year. And currently they have 46 families going through the assessment process to become foster carers. How amazing. Not just 46 new foster carers, but 46 Christian foster carers who can, you know, who can influence these children, who can pray for them, who can show them what it means to be part of a family. You know, that's incredible. Um, and we have some incredible people in our own congregation, of course. We have some foster carers, um, and I've asked them to come and to um, just talk to us a little bit about their experience. I can't see them anywhere. Oh, there's Richard. Richard and Joe Wheeler. It's Joe. Joe's disappeared. Uh, and Rita and Dinesh Mystery are going to come uh, and thank you just answer some questions for us. Why don't we give them a round of applause? Brilliant. All right. Okay, great. So, um, Rita and Dinesh, uh, on my right, if I can just ask you first, how long have you been fostering and um, what brought you into fostering? Um, we've been fostering for about 25 years. And uh, when we got married about 35 years ago, we decided to foster. But um, the uh, social services said, oh, we haven't been married long enough. So we decided to have two of our own children. And then a, bit, uh, a few years later, we decided to foster. So it's about 25 years. Okay, brilliant. I've always felt uh, in my spirit and my heart um, children crying out to God in their situation, whether it's verbal or not, groaning inside, you know, for God to help them because I believe children are very sensitive to God and they believe that there is a God who can help them mm. and we're just part of that answer. Mm. Brilliant, thank you. Joan Richard, a bit different for you. How long and mm. uh, what brought you into Very fostering? different. Nowhere near as long. <laughs> um, if we include respite care, we've been doing it for about five years. Um, but full-time foster care, only for about three years, sort of thing. So uh, I'll leave Joe to explain why, because that effectively was really down to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's Joe's fault, was it? Yeah. yeah. 
I did frighten Richard actually when I went to him and said, I think there's more to life um, than working and coming home and cooking and being a mum. I said, I think we should pray about giving something back. Um, can we ring Bernardo's and do some respite care for a, a child just for weekends to see how we get on? And we did, didn't we? And, and we had a child for um, weekend respite care and then the heartstrings were still being pulled and, and God was still saying to me particularly that it's time to step out of the boat and give your good job up. Mm. Um, your managerial position that you've worked really hard to get um, and move on into a new season of your life and we prayed a lot about it and we did step out of the boat and God was with us mm. all the way. Brilliant, thank you. Um, and ju Just this question for you guys because you've been in it um, so much longer, what changes have you seen in terms of the children, the types of children that come through the system now? Um, I think that the children behaviour is probably more difficult. Mm -hmm. Also we've noticed a big lack fathers or male role models that is very sad because that has an impact on their um, belief in what God is like as mm. a father mm. yeah. Anything? Um, I think fostering um, is a bit more professional as well and um, uh, over the years it has become more difficult of a job mm. as well so in what way has it become more difficult? Um, paperwork. Pa paperwork, okay. yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely paperwork. Meetings. Yeah, meetings, <laughs> things like that. There's more demand on your time yeah. as well. So. Okay, okay. Um, but what have been the greatest challenges then, do you think, for yourselves, Joe and Richard? One of the biggest challenges was the first time we got a phone call to say, You've got a three-week-old baby coming in two hours' time. <laughs> <laughs> Heck, what do we do? And you suddenly find yourself there in Tesco's, looking at all the nappy sizes and the, and the baby. Thinking, what did we give our kids when they were that age? Yeah, that's one of the big initial challenges. But the, um, I think one of the bigger ones is not knowing what, it's not a nice word to use, but I think it describes it rightly, is baggage that the child is going to bring with them mm. and how you are going to have to react to it and the things that slowly eke out over time. Mm. Yeah, because you can have the child with you for a couple of days, they can be with you for months, and things will slowly drip feed out. And it's, it's how you react to that. And you've, you've just got to keep that clear, open mind, realise that you're there for that child. And I think that's one of the biggest issues for me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think it's extending your family as well. All of a sudden, you've gone from a, a family of four to a family of... How many have we got now? <laughs> seven. Seven. <laughs> seven. seven. <laughs> to a family of seven, ranging from a two-day-old baby to a 21-year-old son of your own. And um, you've got to meet everybody's needs in that mm. household. Mm. Mm. Um, you've got to be a mum to everybody in that sense and a dad. And, um, and hopefully we can do that. Um, and, and just... That's it, really, I think. Mm. Okay, it. cool. Uh, Rita and Dinesh, what have been the biggest challenges for you? Um, well, you know, the facts that you said about mm. young people, we, it's the emotional toll. We had a young person who um, ended up in prison. Mm. For us, that was a very emotional uh, time for us. He 
we went to court with him and he was just sobbing like a little child in my arms. He was 15. Mm. And the judge even apologised to me for sending him down. But of course he committed a crime and he had to mm. pay the, the price. And we were the only ones who were there for him. Mm. You know, we went to visit him. Although our job had finished when he went to prison, um, we went and visited him and, and phone calls. And he lived for them because that was the only support he really got. Mm. Mm. That, that was really challenging emotionally. Mm. Yeah, I bet, I bet. How about you, Dinesh, anything? Um, so sorry, I have to read. Um, I think some of the, uh, the the children that we had just recently, um, when they first come, they, they didn't um, <coughs> want to know God. They said, my mum doesn't want to know, doesn't, doesn't believe in so God. So I don't believe in so God. I don't believe in God. So, and then when they left just, um, just a few days ago, and uh, they said, oh, I, I really prayed to God, you know. Mm. So um, that, that, that had impacted on their lives uh, and as a church as well. But um, the, the challenge is really for us as Christians is really how we can bring God into their lives and how, sh yes. how we can show God, God's love into their lives so that, you know, they're only with us for a short period of time, but they've got a lifetime to live and that little bit of impact that we make in their lives uh, hopefully would stay. Mm -hmm. And that's a challenge for yeah. all of us, really, you know, uh, to, mm. to kind of present God in a way that they can relate to and yeah. have some, um, um, they can build on, really. Yes, yeah, yeah, brilliant. And you never know just what, that, what impact, what long-term impact that's going to have, do you? You never know. Okay, what about some of the joys? What are, what, what are some of the uh, real highs that you've had? Um, going to the seaside for the first time, putting your foot on the sand because you've never done it before, and it's, mm. you know, it's things like that. Just treading in puddles and picking up leaves, going to the park, doing things that we all take for granted and that you think... That the I've children never have never experienced before. Yeah, mm. book. Um, teaching new words and letting them enjoy being a child. Mm, mm, mm. The other big positive for me was the last couple that we had. Um, that They've been uh, moved on now and they've been adopted. And they've been adopted by a childless couple who really wanted kids. Mm. You know, so they have gone to a loving family. Mm. You know, that we've played that part in that transition for them and giving them some stability, and it's enabled them to move on and hopefully fulfil their lives, you know, the potential that, that God's got for them. Mm. So I think that's a great thing from it. Mm, that's brilliant, brilliant. Thank some you. of our joys are the same. You know, children experiencing things for the first time from fear of abuse and neglect, just mm. being children and having fun. We always try and make sure that they have fun times as mm. much as possible because they're children at the end of the day. Also... 99% uh, of the children we have, they come to know Jesus as their friend. Um, we always ask permission to take them to church. And the church plays a very important mm. role in this mm. because when the time comes for them to want to give their life to Jesus, this is where the church steps in and, and they pray with them. Yeah. So it's, it's vital, the church's mm. role in this situation. Yeah. yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so what would you say to people that might be considering... Uh, fostering out there in that audience, if you could. <laughs> you really need to pray about it. 
It is true, you really do. Um, when Joe mentioned it to me, it was, yeah, go on then, we'll do it. And we, we just kept pushing doors and we just said, yeah, if it's right, those doors will open. And they kept getting wider and wider and wider, sort of thing. Um, but I definitely, you've got to pray, for, pray about it, I mean, definitely. Yeah, speak to other foster carers. I mean, there are more out there than just us four. <laughs> yeah. Um, speak to local authorities, speak to agencies, because the one avenue for doing it for us is not necessarily right for you. Mm. Yeah, so you need to explore it, speak to people. Yeah. We can be the, the hands and the feet of Jesus to these vulnerable children. Mm. I believe that this young person who was in, in court and in prison, I, I believe I was God's arms in that situation because, mm. you know, he had nobody else. Yes. Um, we can just be his arms and his feet. Mm. You know, if you're thinking, well, I don't know, it's not for me, why don't you just push a door, pray and push the door open, see if it opens. Mm. God will open it and he'll also shut it as well if it's not for you. Mm. Dinesh, have you got anything to add? No, no, um, it's all been said, yep. really. Okay. I think um, it is, um, it's, it's, it's quite a difficult challenge, really, and you do need to pray, and you need to feel that that's what God is calling you to do. Mm -hmm. um, but there will be the support within the church as well, and there are people around that can help you and support you and, and you know, give you the encouragement that you need. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know... Have a go. Great. Thank you. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, great. So that's one of the responses that we could have to, you know, really pray and consider is this something that God might be um, calling you to? The other thing, though, is you can support families who adopt or foster. Um, sometimes it can be a, a, a difficult experience, as has just been said, really, and sometimes it's a roller coaster ride of emotions and different things that are happening with the children. Um, and just like when people have um, babies and we support them practically sometimes, don't we? you might take around a meal, you might go and uh, you know, clean a house for somebody or do some ironing. It's the same in adoption and fostering. You know, we all need that kind of practical help and support. Also, emotional support. You know, the things that people might be going through, you know, might be a little bit difficult. And um, just because it might not be your experience or you may not understand and you may not know what to say, it doesn't, doesn't matter just to be there for people and to be that emotional support. Also, spiritually, to pray for the people who... Uh, you know, have children in their homes and are, are doing this kind of work. And finally, the other thing that I think that we can do as a church is to be the community that these children need. It was kind of, uh, Rita mentioned it there really, in terms of, um, you know, these children need to be around other uh, people, especially adults who, who are trustworthy adults that they can rely on and that, that they can... Um, followers role models you know for a lot of them they haven't had the role models that they've needed and they don't need it just in the home they need this kind of commu community as well I'm forever grateful for our children's work and our youth work that I know my children will you know are building a relationship with those leaders uh, that's going to be invaluable for them in the future um, and as the the man said at the beginning in the first video 
Um, as a church, we can wrap around these families and children and, you know, really try and encourage the children. Uh, Chris Akabusi, the Olympic um, athlete, he was a child who was brought up in the care system and he talks about uh, the only time when he really felt loved and belonged was when he joined the army after he came out of care. Um, and there was an officer that really kind of helped him and, and showed him what it meant to belong. Uh, and he introduced him to sports and encouraged him to, to, you know, get really involved in sport. And that changed his life forever. You know, so you may feel that you don't have a lot of influence on these children, but just being able to encourage them, being able to, um, you know, bring out something in them that you might be able to help them with is really, really important. Uh, okay, so we're coming to, to um, the end of this morning. And what we wanted to do as, as kind of a close is a little bit different today. We're not going to sing uh, as a close, but I want to show a video to you. Uh, it's by um, a group called Third Day, but I want you to watch the video as well as, as to listen, uh, and then Dan and I are going to come back and just uh, pray at the end. What I've forgotten to say again is, um, there are, oh, I might have already said it, I don't know, when you do two services, I don't know if I've said it already. There are a few of us adopters around, and some of the foster carers will, will hang around later, will be in the room out there um, with tea and coffee and biscuits. If you want to come and talk to us personally about um, some things today, then please do.